This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. So OSHA is going to come out. It's always uh, by surprise. There's no announced inspection. So we're going to come in and we're going to ask to see uh, either the general manager or whoever's in charge of employee safety and health. This week on the show, if OSHA shows up at your brewery tomorrow, are you ready? Hi, my name is Nicole Ryman and I am with Odd 13 Brewing in Lafayette, Colorado. Hi, my name is John Olayachea, and I am the Compliance Assistance Specialist for Region 8 of OSHA. And I guess what I do in my position is just try to provide outreach to uh, anyone who needs it, whether that's employers or unions or trade associations, general public, anyone who wants information about regulations, OSHA policies, procedures, that kind of thing. John, about half of the states in the U.S. have OSHA-approved state plans, which may have stricter standards than federal OSHA. Where does one go to find out whether they need to comply with the federal OSHA program or a state-run program? Okay, so yes, uh, as you said, about half the states have a state-run program and half are federal. And you can go to www.osha.gov and right on the front page there on that homepage, we have, if you just click on the Find an OSHA office, you'll be able to click on your state and figure out from there if your state is a federal program or a state-run program. At a high level, what employer responsibilities are mandated by OSHA? Okay, so I mean, the main thing that all employers must do is they have to provide a workplace that's free from recognized serious safety and health hazards. So that's their number one job. Now, the OSHA standards provide a framework for a lot of things. You know, it it tells you how to use a forklift and how to do certain things, but that doesn't cover everything out there. I mean, OSHA can't write a standard that covers everything. So it is upon the employer to basically make an assessment of their work environment, determine what are the safety and health hazards that employees could be exposed to, and then eliminate or minimize those hazards through 
personal protective equipment or different kinds of procedures, work procedures or engineering controls or those kinds of things. Uh, beyond that, they do have to provide training also to employees. Uh, that training should be uh, sufficient to protect them from the hazards that are found in the workplace. And then also they have to enforce the rules that they create to keep their employees safe and healthy. So if they determine that employees need to use safety glasses or gloves while doing a certain task, then they have to actually enforce it. Is It is uh, incumbent upon the employer to ensure that the employees are following all those safety rules. What are the odds that OSHA is actually going to show up at my brewery and how do they decide who to inspect? Okay, so as far as the odds go, it's kind of dependent upon what state you're in. In the state of Colorado, the odds are pretty good because we do have an emphasis program dealing with beverage manufacturing and breweries are a large part of that. So uh, we will be coming out to do investigation or inspections of a lot of breweries. There are two main ways in which we would end up on a job site. The first would be what we call unprogrammed inspections, and those are reports of some sort of safety or health hazard that is in existence on a work site. So those could be complaints from employees, they could be referrals from other government agencies or clients or just people passing by saying, hey, there's a situation out there, you know, there's an unguarded saw or there's a deep trench with no protection, no cave-in protection, something like that, they call us up and they say, hey, you need to go investigate that. And based on the, you know, the details of that complaint, we may or may not uh, go out and actually investigate it on site, or sometimes we may do it another way, but we do in those kinds of investigations. We also investigate uh, major accidents and fatalities. Employers are actually required to call in any fatalities that occur that are work-related or any accidents that involve the hospitalization of one person, an eye loss, or an amputation. So those are our highest priority, those unprogrammed things where we hear about something and we go out and we do the inspection. So any, any business is open to those kinds of inspections. Then we also have what we call programmed inspections. And the programmed inspections come from our emphasis programs where we're looking at facilities or industries, I should say, that have a maybe either a high rate of injuries or illnesses within that industry, or they may be an industry that has a certain type of hazard, like hexavalent chromium or something like that, where we're looking at those industries that use uh, a certain chemical or maybe have a certain type of hazard within there that we don't think is necessarily being addressed across the board in, in the industry. So we come up with these programs where we determine, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to inspect these kinds of industries, these kinds of facilities. And then we come up with lists of facilities and we just go out and kind of randomly cross them off the list and and do inspections. Those are our second priority. We do the unprogrammed stuff first, the stuff where we've heard that there's a condition or a, a serious situation going on, but then we will fall back on those programs and conduct those. So in Colorado, we have a emphasis program on the beverage manufacturing industry, and that includes the breweries that are here in Colorado. So Breweries in Colorado will likely see OSHA in the next few years. Okay, and does that does that hold true for 
state-run programs as well. Everything you just mentioned about program versus um, unprogrammed, uh, or is are the do the rules change when you get to the state-run programs? So the state-run programs are uh, very similar. Uh, however, we don't necessarily all do the same emphasis programs. Their priority also is going to be on complaints, referrals, accidents, fatalities, that kind of thing. But then they have their own programs where they go out and uh, look at uh, certain industries. Now, they are invited to participate in the same programs that we're doing, but they have their own you know, kind of autonomy and they are able to set up their own programs. There are national emphasis programs that all the federal offices are doing and then there are regional emphasis programs that just the regional osha federal osha offices are doing and the the states are are encouraged to also participate in that but they don't always do that do some of the states do just more inspections in general than the federal program or is it all kind of about the same um it's you know i don't have you know the the data here in front of me but it is kind of uh i would say that you know some states do quite a few inspections and then there are others that have you know at least for a few years at a time had you know whether it be turnover or or whatever the the issue is done fewer inspections than maybe they were supposed or or expected to have done the federal the federal osha does oversee the state programs they do their own thing but we do oversee it and and we we review what they do and and give them you know some uh advice and and critique from from uh or basically on an annual basis got it i was glad to see um amputations and manufacturing drop off of the national uh programming list from 17 to 2018 do you want to talk about sort of what what generates uh, that list? Where some of that data comes from for uh, for deciding what are the priorities? Yeah, um, like I said, it's a lot of it has to do with the injury and illness rates within an industry. And I will tell you, uh, amputations is coming back this coming fiscal year. Uh, so it will be back in 2019. Uh, there's a new program and a lot of the same NAICS codes that were in the old program will be in it again. Um, it's really, a lot of it is based on the injury and illness rates that we're, that we're seeing across the country, um, especially for those national emphasis programs. Regionally, some of the programs are started up because we have regional or local data that shows you know hey we've gotten uh you know 25 complaints in this industry in the last two years and they've all yielded high rates of violations and so we decide to maybe look into that industry for a year or two okay all right let's hear from nicole uh nicole tell us uh, what an osha consultation is and why your brewery decided to request one well, I um, kind of found myself in the position of the safety coordinator um, via an injury, and I had no idea what to do. Um, and so I got an email from the Colorado Brewers Guild uh, about the CSU consultation program, and I just applied for it. Um, I just needed some sort of guidance, somewhere to go. So um, this is, there's some professionals up at CSU um, that uh, have dedicated their time to helping local businesses comply with OSHA standards. Um, and 
they basically just came down and did what I would consider a mock OSHA inspection. Um, went through the whole brewery um, and spoke with some of my employees, um, discussed, you know, what safety programs we had in place and what we didn't, um, and, you know, just asked a lot of questions um, and came back with a report um, giving us the information, you know, based off of their inspection, what sort of things we needed to make changes um, with or on. Uh, And, you know, they also came back and they gave us a little bit of information as to um, if this had been an actual OSHA inspection, what we could have expected as far as fines and penalties, um, timeframes to fix all of these hazards, so on and so forth. Did you do, did your brewery do anything to prepare for that consultation or did you just kind of, hey, come on in and let's get started? I mean, there were a few things that, you know, we knew that we were not in compliance with that um, just had never changed. And so we, we fixed a couple things here and there, but generally speaking, no, um, they, they just came in and I wanted them to see the brewery as it operated normally day to day. And so, no, we didn't really do a whole lot. Um, you know, that was kind of the point was for them to come in and, and just say, okay, this is how you operate normally. This, these are the changes that you need to make. Okay. Talk about what your consultation uncovered. Were there any major surprises? Not really any major surprises. Um, A majority of uh, our hazards um, were either CO2 or electric based. Um, We did, we did have some confusion about confined spaces, um, which actually their representatives are, and even OSHA representatives have been working really hard um, with the Colorado Brewers Guild, with um, the BA Safety Subcommittee to try and um, identify the differences between breweries and a lot of other major industries that are dealing with confined spaces. Um, For us, it's almost a requirement for us to actually break the plane in some of our spaces in order to clean and inspect. Um, So that was one of the major um, points of contention. And then the the biggest thing for me was actually having written safety programs. Um, I didn't really have any of that in place. A little bit of forklift safety, um, but generally speaking, there was nothing. Um, And so they actually provided a lot of the foundations and templates in order to help me do all of the written program compliance that was necessary. So that was probably the biggest part for us. Just how easy or difficult was it to address uh, all the issues from the consultation? For us, it was pretty easy. Um, there was nothing major. Um, it the time frame was a little bit difficult just to manage between you know my regular job and trying to assess some of these hazards. Um, but really, you know, I'd say the the worst of it was was actually getting some electricians in to fix some of our electrical problems. But overall, it was very painless. Did the uh, did the consultation cost you anything, or is that a free service? Just my time. It costs absolutely nothing. That's great. It is great. Do either one of you want to comment on sort of the relationship between consultation and enforcement? Are these ever the same people? Uh, are they always different people? Is there ever communication between the two? That sort of thing. Sure. Um, they're always different people. They are totally different organizations. So enforcement is 
in a federal state is going to be federal OSHA folks. And there are a couple of enforcement offices, for example, in the state of Colorado. In each state, there is a state consultation program. So the consultation program is always going to be state run. It is federally funded uh, for the the majority of it is federally funded, but it is a state run program. So there's a separate state run consultation unit in every state, uh, whether it be a federal enforcement program or a state enforcement program. And the two sides do not mix. They do not communicate. Everything that the consultation side does is confidential. They work with the employers. They do not uh, you know, give that information to the enforcement side. And when they are working with you, the enforcement side cannot come in and do a programmed inspection. They can still come in and do an inspection if it is like a complaint or an accident or something like that, but they can't come in and do an emphasis program inspection while the other side is working with you. Now, the one caveat is, and they they go into great explanation on this when they first contact an employer or an employer contacts them, I should say, uh, you do have to make corrections to any serious issues that they find. And if at, at some point, if the employer does not make those corrections, then they do have to turn that company into the enforcement side. However, that is a incredibly rare circumstance. I've only, you know, I've been working for OSHA for 14 years. I've only heard of that ever happening once. Um, and and really they don't want that to happen because if they start doing that, they're probably not going to get much more business. So they they really work with the employers and and it sounds like that's the kind of experience that uh you know you guys had over there at uh uh is it triple odd odd 13 odd 13 that's mm-hmm. that's it i'm sorry um okay. so uh you know i i think they really really try to work with those employers and not have it ever become some sort of enforcement issue but the two staffs are totally separate but they do get the same type of training at the same uh osha training institute now, John, are all of those state-run consultation programs free, just like what Nicole experienced? Yes, they're absolutely free and confidential. They are designed for smaller to mid-sized employers, uh, but they would go through that with you, um, you know, when you call them as far as if you qualify or not. Nicole, have you also had an inspection since you did the consultation? I have not. We did our consultation last fall, okay. and I believe OSHA has just started moving into the northern area of, of Colorado, so we have yet to see that. Sounds like you're going to get one, though. <laughs> I would imagine it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Okay, uh, I want to shift gears and talk about inspections now, because there are going to be some brewers out there who do get caught off guard. Who knows, maybe OSHA shows up next week before they've gotten around to initiating the the consultation process. Give us some basics for preparing for an inspection. What do you absolutely need to have or be aware of? Okay, so what I would say just from, and I I did have about 10 years doing inspections at one point, um, but what you should probably prepare for in an OSHA inspection is First off, make sure that you, and especially in Colorado, if you're expecting, you know, you're on a list probably to be inspected, you should probably, especially at a smaller employer, 
have a plan for when OSHA comes, you know, discuss with your staff who is going to be maybe responsible for taking OSHA around and dealing with them during the inspection. And if the manager's gone or the owner's gone, what's the plan, you know, so that people aren't, um, you know, sometimes people kind of freeze up or they're afraid when OSHA comes knocking. And it's important for any staff that is left there to, to that, that is left in charge to understand what the company's policy is. Are they supposed to call the attorney, call the owner, you know, ask for um, extra time for them to come? And, you know, it's really important for them to know what the plan is from the company in case OSHA comes out there. But then the other thing is have all your written programs, have those available. If you need a hazard communication program, if you have a confined space entry program, uh, those kinds of things should be forklift certifications. Those kinds of things should be at the ready and not something that people have to look for, um, you know, because OSHA is going to come in and ask for those kinds of things. If you're required to keep OSHA 300 logs, then those should also be available and ready to give to the OSHA inspection team. Um, the other thing is just kind of know what your injury trends are, what your history is. Try to identify those things before you get an inspection and, and eliminate any trends. If you're seeing some sort of injury trend, you should do an investigation and figure out what's going on there. Try to you know eliminate that. And then there's a lot of very general information on our website. Um, if you go to the main homepage, www.osha.gov, there is a link for employers. And if you click on that, there is uh, under one of those tabs, there's a list of about 20 things that all employers must do under the OSHA standards. And you should click on that link and see if those things are all things that you're already doing or if they make sense to you. If if those are things that as an employer you're not doing or you don't understand, you should probably get in contact with someone and uh, you could certainly call me. Coming up. If we're doing these beverage manufacturing inspections, those are things that probably are going to get cited more often than other standards. And they're going to be things that we're probably going to be a little bit more aware of and maybe looking at a little harder. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by Bring the world to your brew house with BSG's diverse selection of ingredients and services. Our dedicated customer service team and industry experience provides you with the assistance you need every step of the way. 
Make BSG your supplier of choice with products essential to making great artisanal beverages so you can stay focused on your craft. Visit us at bsgcraftbrewing.com or contact us at 1-800-374-2739. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewer's calendar. District Rocky Mountain meets at Breckenridge Brewery in Littleton November 12th. District St. Paul, Minneapolis meets at the Rar Malting Beer Stube November 14th. District Milwaukee meets at Milwaukee Brewing Company November 21st. District St. Louis meets November 21st. District Northern California meets at Sudwork Brewing in Davis November 21st. District Midwest meets at Great Lakes Brewing November 23rd. District Eastern Canada meets in Montreal November 28th. And the District St. Louis Annual Holiday Party is December 6th. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. back to the show. What can you tell us about what actually happens during an inspection? Okay, so there's uh, a few main steps in an inspection. The first thing is going to be what's called the opening conference. So OSHA is going to come out. It's always uh, by surprise, there's no announced inspection. So we're going to come in and we're going to ask to see uh, either the general manager or whoever's in charge of employee safety and health. And then we'll have an opening conference with that person. And at that point, we're just going to sit down in the office or conference room and discuss, hey, this is why we're here. This is how an OSHA inspection goes. This is what we need to look at. This is, you know, the kinds of things we'll be doing during an inspection. We'll also be asking for some programs. Um, it's a great opportunity for both sides to ask questions. We'll ask the employer a little bit about their business and what goes on there, how many employees they have, that kind of thing. Uh, but the employer, this is a really important point for the employer to ask any questions that they may have. And sometimes employers don't want to ask questions, but it, it really is a good opportunity. And, and, and that's what this opening conference is for, is so that we can both get our, our questions answered. And it's important that if the employer doesn't understand why we're here or uh, you know why they're being inspected, that they ask those kinds of questions. Then we'll move into what's called a walk-around inspection, where we, where we will just tour the facility and we're looking for hazards. We're looking for, you know, anything that kind of jumps out to us visually. Uh, in addition to that uh, walkthrough, we may or may not do some sampling if we feel employees may be overexposed to a chemical or noise or something like that. We may get out some equipment and do some sampling. Uh, we'll do some employee interviews. Those are always confidential, uh, away from the management, um, and it just allows the employees to open up and you know share any information that they may have about their experience uh, on the job. And then eventually we'll have what's called a closing conference. During that closing conference, we're going to talk about were there any violations? If there were any violations, how serious were they? How can they be corrected? And will there be any citations with penalties that come about from that? And then also we will discuss with the employer 
their options and their rights to uh, the appeal process. There's a couple different ways in which an employer can appeal anything that went on during an OSHA inspection. So uh, there's kind of an informal appeal process where you come into the office and just speak with the supervision. And then there's also something more formal called the contest, which is essentially going to court. But those are kind of the steps in the process. Um, but, uh, you know, the they all they all pretty much follow that opening conference followed by a walkthrough inspection followed by a closing conference but it's important i think for the employer to understand that they should be asking questions all the way through nicole was that um you said that your consultation was essentially a mock inspection does does, uh, what john just said kind of ring true for your experience or were there any variations on sort of how it went down in in your, your brewery um, no, there's, it's pretty true. Um, we definitely started with the the opening conference and um, pretty much followed all those steps to a T. Um, I would say that, you know, if I was actually experiencing an OSHA inspection, I probably would have been a lot more nervous. So I think emotional, emotionally, that would have been the only difference between the two. But no, that's pretty much exactly what we went through. Let's, uh, let's hear some tips for successful for a successful OSHA inspection. Know your operation and what the hazards are, and and hopefully you've already addressed those hazards, Um, you know, but if you haven't, you definitely need to do that. Another uh, tool that's available on our website is we we have a lot of data on there. And if you go to the, the data and statistics section, you can look up what kind of citations OSHA gives out for any given NAICS code, uh, which is an industrial classification um, for, you know, most industries have a six-digit NAICS code. You can put in a NAICS code and it'll show you, hey, these are the kinds of things that OSHA cites when they come out to do an inspection of a facility within that industry. So employers can use that tool and say, hey, are we at least in compliance with all these standards here? Then again, like I said, go to that, uh, go to our main web page, click on the employer link and look under the general employer requirements. Make sure you're doing all of those things and prepare your staff to participate. That's really important. You know, as Nicole uh, just said, she would have been more nervous had it been an enforcement inspection. And that's something that we do find that, you know, people do get a little bit nervous and especially. Uh, if the upper management hasn't or, you know, the ownership hasn't talked to them about what they expect when OSHA comes out, then they may feel, you know, not only are they nervous that OSHA's out there, but they're also nervous about disappointing the, the owner or the manager of the company. The only thing I'd like to add to that is, um, from a brewery perspective, just be aware of what your rights are as well, um, you know, and, and be confident in what you're doing. Um, the, the OSHA exists for a reason, um, and it's to keep us all safe and protected. Um, they're not a big bully, but there have been some situations that I've heard about where some breweries have been caught off guard or they're unaware of what their rights are. Um, especially when you get in, you know, when you get lawyers involved. So, you know, just do a little bit of research. Um, there's tons of information out there. Uh, the Brewers Association has um, publicized so many things um, on how to prepare 
for OSHA visits. Um, I know for us in Colorado, the Colorado Brewers Guild also has some, but state to state should also have um, a whole variety of resources that are at your fingertips. Um, so going in with uh, a little bit of, of background information, a little bit of knowledge and confidence will go a long way. Cool. John, I'm going to link to the, um, I just, I just typed in the, the code on the website here. I'm looking at the, the brewery citations. Uh, looks like there's uh, uh, north of $63,000 in citations uh, from uh, last October to this uh, September. And uh, I, I'm just curious, do those, um, I, I'll put a link in the show notes to, the, to that page so people can find it so they can see some of these common citations. But um, does this include, is this just their federal data or, or is this data also pulling from the states that have state-run programs as well? I believe that that one is federal data. I'm not, I'm not absolutely certain on that. If you go back uh, to the search, um, if there's not a box that says federal or federal and state. Oh, you're right. I, it, is, it says federal and then it lists the states. So it doesn't, there, I guess there's no combined then. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, but the code's going to be the same for all states, right? Yeah. The NAICS code is something that's come uh, that the Census Bureau comes up with. Okay. So it is your NAICS code is the same no matter what state you're in. All right, cool. You've got a list of anticipated OSHA standards that breweries should probably be aware of. Tell us about those. If we're doing these beverage manufacturing inspections, those are things that probably are going to get cited more often than other standards. And they're going to be things that we're probably going to be a little bit more aware of and maybe looking at a little harder. So um, forklifts, you know, a lot of places will use forklifts. Those, those can actually be pretty dangerous. There's a lot of accidents with forklifts. So we're going to be looking at forklifts. We're going to be looking at control of hazardous energy. That's lockout, tagout. If you're uh, you know, shutting down machinery to replace a part or uh, do some sort of maintenance on it. How are you controlling it so that somebody doesn't, you know, the energy doesn't suddenly come back on and somebody that's working on it gets a finger uh, pulled in or something like that. Um, ergonomics, that's a big issue. You know, how are you lifting things and, and uh, carrying things and, you know, you're looking at awkward positions and repetitive motion, that kind of thing. Hazardous noise in some Beverage manufacturing can be an issue where you've got people exposed to loud noises over time. Confined spaces is certainly an issue uh, where you, wherever you have pits, tanks, vessels that people might get into. Hazardous chemical exposure. Every, pretty much every brewery is going to have to have a written hazard communication program where they discuss hey, these are the chemicals that we may use in this facility because I know there are some uh, corrosive cleaners and stuff like that. These are the chemicals that we may be using in this facility. This is how you keep yourself safe from those chemicals. Uh, this is where we keep our safety data sheets. This is how we label those things. Um, so those that is a list of stuff that probably is going to be the most hazardous kind of uh conditions that we're looking for and and we're going to kind of focus on those standards when we come in and do those inspections in in beverage manufacturing all right yeah i saw lockout tagout really jumped up on the list that looks like that's now one of the highest ones uh, on the federal level in terms of um 
dollars fined. Uh, so that, that's something to definitely definitely be aware of. Um, John, it looks like some of the rec- required record keeping has moved online. Do you want to talk about that? Um, yeah. So uh, as far as OSHA injury and illness uh, records go, um, m- most employers that have more than 10 employees must keep an injury and illness log, an OSHA 300 log, for each establishment that they have. Now, a couple of years ago, we made a change to the standard, and it didn't really change who has to record or what needs to be recorded. Um, but what we changed was some employers who were already recording now have to submit those records electronically to OSHA each year. Now, that would be any facility that has more than, I'm sorry, 20 or more employees working at that facility um, and they are on a certain list of NAICS codes now that that NAICS the the NAICS codes that have to submit it covers all of manufacturing so I believe it would be covering uh, the beverage world so if you have a facility that has 20 or more employees working there you likely are going to have to submit your OSHA 300 logs electronically to OSHA. So we have this uh, page called the Injury Tracking Application. And you just click on that. You set up your username um, and password. And then each year before March 2nd, you would have to submit your 300 log data for the previous calendar year. Now, does that, do you know if that applies to, like, for example, let's say you've got a taproom brewery and only two people work in the brewery and, uh, and there's 25 people that work, you know, front of the house uh, bar service. Does that apply to someone in that situation or is it strictly just for those employed within manufacturing? So this is, <laughs> this is a complicated issue. Um, it is based on your NAICS code, your North American Industrial Classification System. And uh, that is going to be a code, as I said before, that was established by the Census Bureau. We have had some a little bit of confusion with that here in Colorado because our original emphasis program, when it was written, was it included NAICS codes that had soft drink manufacturers, distilleries, and breweries. Well, what we found is that when we go out to most of the breweries in Colorado, they are a small brewery with two or three employees on the brewery side with a pub that has, you know, 15, 20, whatever uh, staff on that side. Most of the revenue comes from the restaurant. Most of the employees come from the restaurant. So since you can only choose one primary NAICS code, the NAICS code is restaurant. Restaurants uh, would then be excluded from the emphasis program. Now, they are making a change to that, and I believe in October we are going to be starting uh, conducting inspections of restaurants that have a brewery associated with them. However, as I said, you only have one NAICS code, one primary NAICS code. So if your NAICS code is restaurant, then the 
the OSHA 300 submittal uh, requirements are going to apply to that NAICS code. So you wouldn't be a brewery, you would be a restaurant. And I'm not sure, I'd have to go back and take a look, but I don't believe that restaurants have to submit. All right. Very good. So if you're, yeah, if your major, major business is restaurant, not brewery, then you, you are in the restaurant NAICS. OSHA has several compliance assistance products that we'll link to in the show notes so folks can find them easily. Tell us what might be useful to folks in our industry. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of stuff online. I think one of the biggest things, and I really like to plug our website because I think it's one of the best websites out there for, you know, at least government agencies. If you go to OSHA.gov, right on the top uh, of the page, there's an A to Z index, and you can click on any, uh, just about any health and safety topic in there. And what that will give you is not just the regulations, but a lot of plain language information and documents that will help you set up programs, help you understand it. You know, it's a lot easier than reading the regulations. We also have a publications page and a lot of the publications you can find also through the A to Z index, but the publications show you how to write a confined space program or how to deal with lockout tagout. Now, the guides may be, you know, 30 or 40 pages, but they're loaded with pictures, big print, and it's a lot easier to read than the regulations. So I definitely recommend that kind of thing. And again, contacting either the OSHA consultation office in your state or a compliance assistance specialist uh, from the federal side because uh, I'm a compliance assistance specialist. What I can do is help you over the phone to kind of set you up with all the kinds of like things that you might need, uh, documents, programs, um, links, those kinds of things. And, and we can talk as much as you want. Uh, so we have tons of compliance assistance resources on our website. It can be a little bit difficult to navigate just because there's so much on there. So, you know, contacting OSHA and asking them to help you out with that is a great idea. And just calling federal OSHA, that doesn't put you on the map for being inspected or anything like that. We are happy to just provide information on the phone. And I know some people maybe don't want to call us, but but who you should definitely call is that OSHA consultation service in your state because they they are they are a great service all right cool well it sounds like there's a lot of resources so we'll definitely put some links out there for for folks to take advantage of um uh, i guess uh last topic really is um uh earlier this year uh, osha brewery safety alliance was formed what's that all about so um, we have, you know, kind of, again, on the compliance assistance side of things and on the, uh, well, we have a couple of things where we are cooperating with industry. We have partnerships and we have alliances. And so these alliances, we have, I think, now about 23 in our region. We reach out to industries and see if they would like to partner with us so that we can share resources and try to get information out to their membership. Um, and then also they provide us information uh, that helps us. Um, so this alliance 
was put together last year and it was actually signed this past March. And through the alliance, uh, it's actually with uh, the MBAA, the BA, and the Colorado Brewers Guild. Through this alliance, we've done a lot of presentations to groups at various conferences. Um, we have a quarterly call where we provide update information on what we're doing in terms of enforcement so that people know about it. Uh, we just try to get the word out as far as information that they that those organizations may need to know or want to know. And then they've also actually helped us. They uh, The BA put on, I think in April, a training for our inspectors so that we better understand the issues going on at breweries because you know the ocean inspectors they have to be generalists we are not experts in breweries we have to be at a construction site one day and then we're at a foundry the next day and then mcdonald's the next day and at a uh, brewery the day after that so um it was a really nice uh thing that uh, that we did to uh, provide that information to our inspectors so that they better understand what they're doing when they go into these breweries. Um, but it's it's been a really strong alliance so far. And I should also say, um, to echo what Nicole said, the BA does have a lot of great resources in safety and health on their website. Uh, that's, that is a really excellent resource that I neglected to, to mention. Sounds good, and Master Brewers does as well. So we'll we'll link to yes. both of those pages too. Um, do, in, is that alliance? Uh, is it regional or is that a, a, a you know na- nationwide alliance? It is a regional alliance. Now, uh, Region Five in Ohio, they have an alliance in the state of Ohio, and I believe that there are going to be a couple more alliances that are being worked on right now. Um, so uh, this one's just regional over our six states here, and I I don't know if I mentioned it, but our six states are Colorado, the Dakotas, Montana, Wyoming, and Utah. Wyoming and Utah are the state plan states. John, I know you listened to episode 49 where we talked about boilover prevention. What's your reaction to that one? You know, the interesting thing about the boilover protection, and and she had said in the interview that OSHA came out, did an investigation, didn't necessarily find anything uh, to cite on the boilover, but then found some other things that were wrong. Yeah. I would say this, you know, in terms of boilover, I mean, certainly we don't have an OSHA standard on that. We don't have an OSHA standard on a lot of things, but employers do have to provide a safe and healthy work environment free from recognized hazards. So we have what's called the general duty clause, and that is a citation that we will give when we see that there is a recognized hazard that either is recognized by the industry itself or maybe some sort of uh, you know consensus organization or like like an ANSI or ASME or something like that where it's well known that this is a hazard in an industry that causes injuries illness death whatever yeah if we can if we can determine this is a recognized hazard and there is a feasible fix or resolution, then we can cite it. Now, I can't speak to that particular inspection, but I was a little surprised that they didn't cite that when 
I have heard of boil over. I mean, the training that I just mentioned where the BA came and talked to us, they talked about boil over. Right. Boil over is an issue. It is solvable. It seems like that. I would, if it were out of the Englewood office, I would expect that um, there could have been a citation there for that itself. <laughs> That was Nicole Ryman and John Oleachea here on the Master Brewers podcast. Check the show notes for links to resources from both OSHA and the Master Brewers Brewery safety team. Be prepared and be safe. Check out the brand new Master Brewers podcast website. You'll find guest profiles, information about upcoming live events, and more. All at masterbrewerspodcast.com. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS, Proximity Malt, and BSG. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. 